The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights from the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And this week is no exception. We've got two fantastic guests Two terrific ladies that are going to help us out in living our best lives. We've got Silka Schwarzkopf. She's returning to the show. We're going to talk about her show on YouTube, Second Act TV, and it's all about life after 50, and those can be your very best years. So even if you're not 50, you can still learn a lot because hopefully you're going to get there at some point. And a lot of times we get to 50 and we start kind of adjusting our lifestyle because we've been running pretty hard in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, and we've got to kind of adapt our game a little bit. And uh, Silka's got a wonderful show. I've been a guest on her show many times, and there's lots of great information for living your best life in the second act. We've also got Diane Dreyer. She has written a wonderful book called The Tao of Inner Peace. It's a take on the famous Tao Te Ching, which was written thousands of years ago. It's been republished and translated more than any other book in history, with the exception of the Bible, and we're going to talk about how we can find our inner peace, how we can find power, how we can find joy and inspiration by following the principles of nature, and it's all about the Tao of inner peace. I think you're really going to enjoy it, and Diane's terrific. So what's going on out there? Well, we're rounding the turn from spring, heading towards summer. I'm out here in Southern California where it always feels like summer in some ways, because even if it's in January, you'll get like a the weather will pop. It'll go up to 85 or so, and then it'll go back down to the 60s or whatever, but you get some nice weather year-round. It's really incredible, and I'm from New Jersey and New York City. I've been out here about two and a half years now. I'm now getting accustomed to coastal living out here in Southern California, and I got to tell you, I love it. You know, I've noticed a couple of things out here lifestyle changes. So one of them is uh, just how you dress and the clothing. It's way more casual out here. Obviously, I'm used to wearing a blazer at least and a pair of decent pants or maybe nice jeans uh, to work where casual is the way now, at least in the world of advertising. For the most part, I wear suits sometimes, but I've got a lot of friends and they, they're still suiting up every day back in New York City. And out here, <laughs> you see a lot more casual people. Now, obviously, if you're working as an attorney and a lot of the folks in real estate and in banking, they're still wearing suits. They're rocking the suits. But for most people out there and you see them in their downtime or whatever, it seems like there's a uniform out here, the Southern California uniform, and I'm not making fun of it. I love it. And for the guys, it seems to be, well, first of all, there's a lot of surf brands out here where back East you've got everybody's wearing the Yankees, Mets stuff or Boston Red Sox. And it's a lot of team oriented clothing and out here it's more surf brands so you've got you know the quicksilver and nixon and hurley and o'neill and brixton and even some of the cool surf stores that are out here like hansen's in the core emerald city out in coronado and 
it's a very coastal culture. So a lot of it's about surfing and the surf clothes are so cool. So you see people rocking them all the time. And for the guys, I noticed that a lot of the guys are wearing the trucker hats. You can't go without seeing the trucker hats and the t-shirts and the shorts and not the denim shorts. I, I like the cutoff denim shorts, but I don't see them out here with the dudes. I see them that wearing regular shorts or kind of like those amphibious shorts or a cargo version of those. And then you've got the sandals or some type of sneakers. And, and that's it. I see it all the time every day. And the dudes have the tattoos, the sleeves of tattoos and the beards and driving around in the Toyota Tacomas. And they've got their trucks and their mountain bikes and the surfboards and all kinds of gear because it's a much more outdoorsy lifestyle because of the weather, I guess, and the coast here and the mountains and the proximity. But that's how the dudes rock it out here. I love it. I find myself putting on the sunglasses. I forgot to mention that. Every dude out here has got some type of really kick-ass sunglasses also. So I find myself with the baseball cap and the the Quicksilver cap and the sunglasses, the Oakley sunglasses and the T-shirt. And the, I wear the denim shorts, as I mentioned, and the sandals or some sneakers. And that's pretty much it, the uniform for the ladies. You know, a lot of people are in pretty good shape here. So the, the women who are in really good shape, they're always in the Lululemons and the athleisure and the tights and the tank tops and the yoga pants and all of that stuff. So it's a much more casual lifestyle than it is back east. And the clothes reflect that. And you know what? I love it. So, Guys Guys Radio, I've got two special ladies visiting us on the show today. And we're going to learn a lot. So why don't we get to our interviews right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, the interview portion of my show, and today we're going to talk about how you can make the best of the second half of your life, and hopefully everybody out there is heading towards or into the second half of their life, and you want to make the best of it because things change each and every day in our crazy world, and I have an expert on here who has a very popular YouTube show called Second Act TV, and her name is Silke Schwarzkopf. I've been on her show a number of times had a lot of fun and she's been on our show a few times and we've had a lot of fun and she's the creator and host of second act tv the youtube channel focused on recreating and living your life to the fullest after the age of 50 she's a seasoned producer she owned and operated an award-winning production company for nearly 20 years shortly after her 50th birthday she took a leap of faith she moved to california she left her marriage she returned home and she launched this new channel, and it's super popular. So I thought it would be great if we had her come on Guys Guys TV and talk about what she's learned from a lot of the guests she's had on the show, talking about various aspects of living your best life in the second act. So welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, Silka Schwarzkopf. How are you? Thank you, Robert. I'm great. Well, the biggest secret to having a popular YouTube channel after 50 is to book Robert Manny as a guest. <laughs> And, and talk about sex, right? And talk about sex. <laughs> you know, that's one, that, that's a constant. It doesn't go away after age 50. And we're going to talk about that. But let's start at the beginning. Uh, how did you become a kind of an expert at what you do, Silka? 
I guess by doing it, I, uh, gosh, where do I start? I, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. As you said, I left my marriage after 50. I was married 25 years. Uh, the last 10 years were very unhappy. And I, after when I turned 50, it was like an awakening. And I've heard that from a lot of people as well. Somehow, when you hit that number, it's like, well, if I'm lucky, you know, half of my life is, well, I still have half of my life ahead of me, certainly, you know, a good 20, 30, 40 years, hopefully. And do I really want to keep on living like this? I mean, it wasn't a horrible situation. It was just, we, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. We weren't happy and I didn't want to stay that way. And once I started expressing that, I, you know, more and more people came to me and said, God, that's, you know, the same thing. And then I learned about gray divorce, that the divorce rate after 50 is way up. And suddenly I didn't feel so alone or crazy that I wanted to make a major change after 50. And again, going, you know, on and on with this, hooking back up with my friends in California, I lived in Texas in the time, uh, sharing what I'm doing when I'm thinking with them, they're all in the same boat too. As a matter of fact, four of them are now divorced <laughs> and remarried. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm advocating divorce here. It's just that that just happened. You know, that's the way it happened for me. But there is something after the age of 50 where you look at what you're doing. It can be the relationship you're in, which certainly was a big part for me, but also the per, you know, purpose and passion. What am I doing with my life? You know, what do I want to maybe leave behind? You know, what do I want my life to mean? And that's that's kind of how this all started. Looking back and even looking at the present, what's been the biggest challenge with that? Oh, gosh, the biggest challenge, just, you know, believing that that you can do it because it's it's a big up and down. I mean, you know, I, I kind of sound jovial or in my introduction, you know, it's, it's as you said, you know, big YouTube channel. But yeah, but it took me a while to get there. And there's a lot of time where you can give up in the process. So it's it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> you know, it's really something that you have to have a desire to create something new or recreate your life. It's totally doable, but it does require uh, dedication and, yeah, and, and, and the confidence that can sometimes be shattered a little bit. <laughs> You've interviewed so many fascinating guests, including myself, of course. <laughs> about, living, about living our best life after the age of 50. So what are some of the universal truths that the folks that you've interviewed have shared with you that, you, you know, things you've heard from more than one person that's, that, you, that rang a bell and say, you know what, everybody seems to be having the same feeling or the same insight or the same knowledge after 50. Well, for me, because our show focuses a lot on relationships, start, you know, starting over again or saving a, re a relationship, perhaps, you know, a marriage that's on the rocks. Uh, as we know, marriage, you know, is up and down. It's, it's, it's tough. That's why we have such a high divorce rate. I would say the universal thing is that we all we all want love. <laughs> uh, you know, some of us might be fed up with it. And yeah, I never want to go there again. But ultimately, that's what we want, even on this even on the channel, when I get comments, oh, you know, I've done dating, this is sucks, blah, blah, blah. And then I look, I said, well, why are you watching a dating video if this is how you feel? You know, that was clearly titled How to Find Love After 50. And so there is that need, that want, that desire to have that somebody special in your life. 
that makes it, you know, for a lot, a lot of people makes it all better. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. So Silka, we've, we've had a lot of discussions and it seems like the ones where we get the most views are ones that have to do with, I don't want to say hooking up, but sex. How important is sex from what you've heard for people over 50? Of course, you know, for me on a scale of one to 10, it's about an 11, but I'm talking about for, for other folks out there. What, what have you heard from the men and from the women that you've interviewed? Oh, that's a great question. And this is like one of the biggest uh, myths that I think we're, we're, we address a lot is that, you know, you're, you're not interested in sex anymore after 50. And certainly the younger people and our kids don't want to hear us talk about this. And that's something I'm trying to you know, change as well. Uh, if your parents, if older, you know, this is a good thing. You have something forward to. And one of the big myths really is that women lose their libido, especially after menopause. And yes, things happen. You're, there are hormonal things that go on, but there's all kinds of ways to deal with that. What's also interesting is even without dealing with it, women like myself who had zero interest in sex for like 10 years, and I've talked about this openly, so I'm not telling you anything new. Uh, you know, I, I had a sexless marriage for 10 years. Once you're Back. You know, you, you have somebody you actually want to be with, somebody that makes you feel good. You know, I never lost libido and, and sex has never <laughs> has, has never been better. It, 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 there, it's absolutely true that you can have the best sex in your life after 50. And that even goes for I hear that from men because it gets a lot more. There's a lot more intimacy involved rather than just the, you know, the penetrative sex. Uh, yeah. Are there issues? Absolutely. There's issues for younger people, too. But I think that's a good word. Intimacy. Your intimacy gets so much more intense, intense that those can be the best years of your life when it comes you know, to sex. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard uh, from other folks. Now, I didn't get married till I reached the age of 50, and I'm glad I waited. But for a lot of people, I, I hear, you know, I've heard that the sexless marriage or going an extended period of time, not, not to ask you personally for, for you to divulge your situation, but just in general, what have you heard from people who've had these uh, periods of uh, lack of sex during a marriage. Is it, is it the, the male? Is it the female? It, could it be either? Is it a communication issue? Why do couples experience these fallow periods? Oh, great question. And, and great question. And the, uh, the answer is all of the above, and it just depends. Uh, I'm happy to talk, you know, for me, I I, I started developing, uh, you know, painful sex, which is very, very common. We talk about this very openly a lot too, because people are afraid to talk about it. You know, you do your your, you know, you change <laughs> your vaginal walls change. All the, this is all stuff that I learned after fifty. Mm -hmm. I'm an educated woman. I I. I did not know really what was going on with me. Certainly neither did my husband and we never talked about it. And that happens so often to where women will put up with, is, is a good way to put it, painful sex because they're, they don't want to hurt their partner. They don't want to hurt their, you know, they, they don't know how to talk about it because obviously something is wrong. Well, there is something wrong, but it's normal and it can easily be taken care of. So that's one thing. The other is just, you, you grow apart. And that was part of our, our thing too. That was just, we stopped liking each other. You know, I, I always say that one of the 
the, the determining factors of staying in a marriage or, or just staying in any relationship, you know, do you like being with this person? Do you, do you look forward to being together? Do you laugh together? And all that was missing for me. And I think that's a huge contributor to, you know, not just the relationship breaking up, but the desire, you know, to be intimate, to, to have sex. Does that kind of answer what you sense. wanted to uh, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Silke Schwarzkopf, the uh, producer and host of the popular Second Act TV, is my special guest on Guys Guys Radio today. Um, what do you think that women, from what you've heard from your guests, what do women wish men knew about them? And what do men wish women knew about them? Oh, we have that. We've done tons. They need to watch our videos, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Robert and I have talked about that a lot. Uh, and there's so, you know, there's so many different um, ways to look at this. I think for me, yeah, we, women have trouble communicating. We, we do lots of stuff on that. Uh, they're afraid, and I don't speak for all women, but I speak for a good majority. I think this is a... Um, the generality and exists for a reason. I think I certainly can disagree with me, but women don't come to the point very quickly. They, they uh, expect men to read their minds. I'm very guilty of that until I learned about all this. Uh, so the communication, you know, just, just listening and understanding that we, you know, we need a lot more, um, probing, I guess, you know, we, we love to be asked questions. Like if, if we're talking with you, one of the, the best things you can say, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> That's like an aphrodisiac. Tell me more. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you're opening a conversation that a woman really likes to have. And, and, and on the flip side, the woman needs to understand that men don't communicate like that, you know, and not to take it personally, maybe just Educate yourself a little bit more about the 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 primary differences that seem to hold true for most couples. Mm-hmm. I I would agree with you completely on that. And uh, you know, this is I'm interviewing you here, so I don't have to get into all of my stuff. But I think you're spot on in that. <laughs> I think a lot of relationships have ended because women expected had legitimate issues. And they were about communication, yet they were at fault for not communicating their issues of communication with their partner. And and many men get dumped and they are blindsided, yet the woman feels like, well, this was long overdue. You should have known that. And it's really it's all about the communication there, because I think men and women do communicate differently. And if they can get on the same page with that, and I think your idea of saying, tell me more, how do you feel about that? Versus the usual thing with guys are like, what's the problem? How can I fix it? Because that's how we're kind of wired. Like there's something wrong. How can I fix it? How can I be a protector? How can I do this for you? And sometimes the the women don't really want to hear that. They want to just be heard and they want to talk about stuff and have a little bit of back and forth conversation. So very good insights there. With all the people. Let me me say what, let me say one one thing that you just Please. That is, um, and I didn't mean to talk over you. I'm sorry. No, no. The the blindsided. That is so such a common thing that I hear. Men feel, oh, I was blindsided, and just like you said, the woman feels like it has been going on for a long time, but she didn't say anything. I was certainly guilty of that. Uh, so 
Yes. Listen, you know, and I'm talking to men now because that really is a good, good piece of advice. If your woman is trying to talk with you and you do care, you know, you're not in a situation where you want to end, do, do, do listen. Because any time I tried to bring anything up or talking or talk about it, it was just swept away or ignored or, um, and, and yeah, maybe I didn't uh, do enough. But I do feel like I was just totally not heard. And I think that's a huge obstacle in relationships. Mm -hmm. You've talked to a lot of men and women. And a lot of your shows are about relationships and uh, sex, ex et cetera, uh, after 50. What, who do you think has it tougher? Uh, I know it's an individual situation always. But just in general, from what you've heard, do the ladies have it tougher to be single after 50 or do the men? And there's a couple of schools of thought here. Sometimes guys have been in a long-term marriage and they get dumped or whatever. They don't know what to do. Whereas some, some women haven't gotten married or were married and got divorced and they've been out in the field for a while. And they have the support group with other women, I think, in some instances versus, you know, guys are kind of the, the lone wolves out there. We don't talk too much to our buddies about relationship issues unless like I'm getting married or I'm getting divorced or I met somebody new. There's not too much sharing there. It's like who won the game last night? It's, it's more of that stuff. <laughs> that, that's just how yeah. a lot of guys roll. But from what you've heard, Silka, who do you think has a tougher time being single after the age of 50, a man or a woman? I think, I think men do. I really do. I um, I think there's, you know, loneliness as an epidemic period, especially as we age uh, with women. And, and I'm talking about women of our generation. I don't know if a lot of this will hold true for, you know, the, the 20, 30 year olds now. I don't know. I, you know, that, that remains to be seen. But women of our generation, certainly my generation, we we took care of our men. I, I that's I was German. That was even worse. I was <laughs> that you know that was all expected of me. And and a lot of other women are caretakers. That was that was the role. And when you're single, all of a sudden it's kind of nice not to have to do that. I've heard that a lot. You really want to be with someone again that you like that that you have a relationship with, and all of a sudden you know you can be yourself. You. You can be the person that you wanted to be. And women like that. And they, I think women, it's easier for them to be single. I think and the statistics support that. Uh, John, John Gray, who you've, of course, had on your show too, he, he talks to that a lot, that the average uh, man, I think, gets remarried like within a year or three years or so, something really short to where women, it's like the average is like eight to nine years. So even statistically, that's supported that men have, have trouble being alone. We did a segment about friends with benefits after 50, and it went viral. It blew up. And, yeah. you know, I was doing some research and I read that there's, you know, there's a big problem with STDs in the senior homes because there's so much hopping around there. And it's really people are really randy and they're over age. Elder age and the, the friends with benefit notion, which basically was compartmentalizing sex. Do you, do you uh, men, you know, I think in their younger years can compartmentalize sex. Women, it seems like, have have more challenges with that early on. But as they age, they can put it into a different frame of perspective, whereas guys are, I think, starting to look more for the intimacy as they get older. And they want more than just, you know, the wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. They want they want to have something there. What is your insights on that? I, I could be completely wrong. 
I think there is no concrete answer. Here's my take on it. Yeah, that was a great segment. Still, you know, every day we got comments on that. I think it's very difficult to compartmentalize. I think somebody is always a little bit on a different page. And I think it's harder for women to be in that kind of relationship and not become emotionally involved. And I agree with you that as men age, that that is the case too. There are lots of relationships like that that seem to wait, to seem to work. It'd be interested, you know, if anybody's uh, wants to watch the segment, maybe you can link to it and just read the comments. The there's got hundreds of comments on it as to whether it's good or bad and what you have to consider, etc. Uh, I it wouldn't work for me. I don't think. I mean, I I. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I want to feel something more than you know just sex from from the person I'm with. So that's speaking that's speaking from you know just for me. Uh, but I think there's a lot of women that feel like that as well. Okay, Silka Schwartzkopf, my very special guest on Guys Guys Radio. She's a she's a friend and she's a fellow host. A great YouTube channel. I love being on her show. Last last bit. Are you optimistic? or pessimistic about the second half of second act from uh, your own life and also from what you've heard from your guests? Oh, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm optimistic, <laughs> of course. And what's, what is, I mean, the big thing is health, you know, as long as you have your health, I mean, we hear this all the time, but it's so true. If you are, you know, have, have, can get around, you have, you know, you're healthy, basically healthy. There is no reason you can't accomplish just about anything. It's it, it's incredible the feats that are being, you know, both physically and, <laughs> uh, in, in, you know, in business, what, what people can create if you really want to. There's also people, uh, I, I love people that are heading up, you know, rewriting the story around aging. Because we've been raised and we've been taught that aging is a bad thing. Who's, who's that? Who, who, you know, who determined that? And there's people out there that have written really great books that really get you to think that there's so much more ahead. And, and, and that's, that's absolutely where I am, where I am and with the channel. That, that's the message we want to keep reinforcing. I agree with you a thousand percent and I uh, want to set you up for that. So thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio again. We'll do it again. Uh, everybody can check out Silka on her show, Second Act TV on YouTube, and they can check out me because I'm a frequent guest there and we have a lot of fun. So thank you so much, Silka. Great seeing you again. Thank you, Robert. Always, always love talking with you. Robert Manny's The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love is a fast-paced tale of flawed men and savvy women competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city where they play for keeps. It's the men's successor to Sex in the City. The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love is a sexy romp through the fast-moving, high-stakes world of Madison Avenue. Available now on Amazon and wherever books are sold. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, Guy's Guy's Radio, and I've got a very special guest for you today, and we're going to talk about the Tao. What is the Tao? Well, it's spelled T-A-O, and it's one of the oldest books 
ever written and it's been translated and republished by so many people over the years. I think only the Bible has been reproduced more and probably talked about more. We've got an expert on the show today. Her name is Diane Dreher. She's got her own take on the Tao. And this particular book we're going to talk about today is the Tao of Inner Peace. And let me tell you a little bit about Diane. Uh, the book, as I mentioned, has been translated more than any other book except for the, 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 excuse me, the Bible. The Tao Te Ching has been a spiritual guide for centuries, helped millions of people find peace within themselves, within others, and also through the natural world around them. Um, the book is really cool. It's written in a workbook style. It's got a lot of exercises, questions, journal keeping techniques, affirmations at the end of every chapter. So it's fun to read. And the Tower of Inner Peace translates the ancient Eastern philosophy into a plan for contemporary Western living. Shows us how to bring greater joy and fulfillment, heal the body, build self-acceptance, resolve conflicts, reverse negative cycles of emotion, understand life as a process, and more and more and more. So Diane is a best-selling author. She's a PhD researcher, positive psychology coach. She's got a lot of other books, The Tao of Personal Leadership, The Tao of Womanhood, Inner Gardening, and Your Personal Renaissance. And these books have been translated in a dozen languages. And she's also written for Entrepreneur, Red Book, Glamour, Cosmo. goes on and on. The name of this book is The Tao of the Inner Peace. Diane Dreyer, PhD, is my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. Welcome to the show, Diane. I am delighted to be here, Robert. Well, fantastic. So let's just give a little background. The Tao was written over 25 centuries ago. What is it? What? Why has it been so long uh, living, if you will? And what does it have to offer us today in terms of walking the path of wisdom and combining theory and practice? Okay. Well, Lao Tzu, um, a very ancient Chinese sage, wrote the Tao Te Ching during the Warring States period in ancient China, when his, the world as he knew it was falling apart. And uh, he sought consolation in nature, walking through the woods, observing the lessons in a mountain stream, in a grove of bamboo, uh, in the cycle of the seasons, and it gave him renewed hope. He realized that water is gentle and nurturing, but with perseverance and cut through solid rock gave him a new idea of strength. He looked at bamboo, which bends with the wind, but doesn't break. Again, a new idea of strength. And a new idea of uh, wisdom in terms of the cycle of the seasons, that yin, one uh, kind of the contemplative, uh, less active form, and yang, the active form, are part of a cycle of life. So the Tao Te Ching, which has been translated, as you say, more than any other book in the world, but the Bible has inspired innovators and creative thinkers for absolutely centuries. Uh, some of these people more recently are Abraham Maslow, Carl Rogers, who carried a, a quote from the Tao Te Ching in his wallet uh, to inspire him, and Wayne Dyer, who wrote a book about the Tao. So what does the Tao do? It, it gives us, again, the wisdom in the principles in nature, the wisdom of living systems and uh, the systems, the patterns of energy within and around us. So I have a friend who is uh, a coach for uh, athletic teams and Olympic athletes, and he uses the Tao Te Ching as a way of, of motivating and inspiring his clients, his athletes. So the Tao can help us respond physically, realizing that soft is strong, 
like water, like bamboo. When we get all tense, we do not perform at our best. So my friend Jerry Lynch, who's also written about the Tao Te Ching, uh, inspires his athletes to uh, focus, to go within, to find their center uh, so that they can respond accordingly. So the Tao gives us a lot of ways to deal with challenges and to find greater meaning in our lives. Now, the book has been around for a long time, and people would obviously ask the question, you know, what is the Tao? What is Tao? Is that divinity, for no better term, you know, God, divinity? Because it seems to, uh, one of the sections, the passages, and the book is broken into, the teachings are broken into different passages. There seems to be about, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 75 or so. I'm just taking a random guess. And there are little sections with little teachings in there. And then uh, the different folks like yourself have articulated what they mean, actually. But it all goes back to that before the universe. I remember reading this last night, actually, there was the Tao. So is the Tao really God? Well, (laughs) the Tao Te Ching is uh, composed of, you're, you're close, 81 short poems about the Tao. And the Tao can mean uh, many things in the Chinese character of Tao uh, means the way or the path in one, in one level. So it's the path of life that we take. The Tao also means the one. Um, in the, in, you know, the, the Tao is the one, from the one come yin and yang, from yin and yang together come the forms of all creation. So it can be seen as nature, as divinity, as the oneness of life, or as the way of life that we walk. Yeah. Okay. You say during, in, the, in the book that this is, and I've read that the Tao is kind of a, a feminine in its teaching. And I say that as, as, a, as a positive. It's not weak, but it's about, as you mentioned, bamboo. It's subtle, supple, yet it's strong. And water, water can move around, but it's still very powerful. Talk to us about the connection between the divine feminine and the Tao Te Ching. Okay. Um, well, we have these two forces, these two energies in the Tao, in the way, in life. Yin, which is the been called the feminine, the contemplative, the uh, flexible, malleable, and then Yang, which is the busy, active, you know. Um, supposedly masculine sense of strength. But I trained in the martial art of Aikido. And uh, by blending with the energy of the attacker, getting off the line, we can resolve the conflict without combat, without harming the opponent. So it's the feminine is to, uh, or the yin, I suppose, is to be aware of the energies within and around us and blend with them work with them instead of try to you know, fight them directly. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And uh, another concept that comes up in the teachings uh, is embodiment. And uh, people are familiar with that term, but in reference and relevance to the Tao, what does that actually mean? Embodiment. To embody, uh, again, that's a word that can mean many things too. To incorporate the teachings within us physiologically, psychologically, emotionally, as well as intellectually, to actually uh, have a sense of them that becomes part of our life. A lot of people read self-help books and they get some good ideas, 
happen unless we embody them and actually turn them into action, uh, turn the yin, the concept, into active uh, behavior and choices, yang, then uh, we don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. We need both. So we need to actually incorporate these teachings. We, it's, an, it's nice to think about the strength of bamboo, but unless we actually learn to be flexible and, and practice that, it's not going to take us anywhere. Exactly. Okay. The name of the book is The Tao of Inner Peace. Diane Dreyer, PhD, is my special guest. You know, we live in a time, and one of the one of the tenets of the book is about, you know, peace is kind of an inside job. And over the past couple of years, a lot of people have been indoors. And we're a culture that has been defined by our looking to the exterior for solutions. It's always beyond us. It's always on the outside. Yet the pandemic has forced a lot of people, some of them kicking and screaming, to look inside. And some of them have seen their shadow and it's not that pretty. But I think overall, there are some positives that have come out of people having that time to spend alone and really looking at who they are, what they are, and what, how they can serve. Talk to us about the Tao and the pandemic. Okay. The Tao uh, has given us an opportunity, the pandemic has given us an opportunity to seek our own sense of dynamic balance. The, the Tao nature has a dynamic balance of the cycle of the seasons. It's spring now, at least in this hemisphere. And um, trees are starting to bud out. Uh, we have deciduous trees up in Northern California. They actually do lose their leaves, not like uh, what goes on in Southern California. So that there's a sense of rebirth you know, a sense of, of a sense of renewed energy. Okay, but that renewed energy happens because of the period of dormancy. In fact, fruit trees, apple trees need a period of yin, dormancy, uh, a chill factor in order for them to bear fruit in the next season. So like apple trees, we have been experiencing a, a period of enforced yin, one of my friends calls it being under house arrest because he's been unable to do a lot of the things he ordinarily did. A lot of people, you know, have been working remotely. They haven't gone to the gym to work out. They've been closed. They haven't seen their friends. They haven't gone to restaurants. So a lot of yin and yin is the, the sense of going within, of listening to ourselves, uh, spending more time indoors. And also a lot of people have been spending more time walking outside because that's about the only kind of exercise they can do. The gyms have been uh, closed. So they've been experiencing nature. They've experiencing contemplative time, which our culture doesn't give us much opportunity ordinarily to do. We're very, very yang, busy, noisy, filling up our calendars, racing around on the freeway of life, you know, just going all the time. We haven't been able to do that. So a lot of the things that we've been doing out of habit, get up, drink coffee, go to work, see the same people, do the same thing, reverse the procedure in the evening, watch TV or, you know, internet and then go to bed and do it all the next day. A lot of people have been jolted out of that habit and, and they're beginning to ask, hey, why am I doing this? <laughs> Does this mean anything to me? So we have the great resignation. A lot of people are quitting their jobs, going back to school, changing careers, taking time off. 
trying to find their balance. So the pandemic has forced us into yin to balance out our excessive yang. Great answer. The book, the teachings, if you will, they seem to be broken up. You haven't broken up into five sections. It seems like initially it's about setting up the concepts and then bringing them inside so people can understand them and how they work with them in their personal lives. And then there's an exterior part about how our culture, how the Tao can help our culture, help our leaders, help organizations, et cetera. Is there anything you want to articulate further about that, how the book and the teachings are set up? Yes, I did that, uh, you know, very consciously, because I, I believe that we really cannot create greater harmony around us if we're too stressed to see straight, if we don't have any harmony, any peace within us. And recent research in neuroscience pretty much affirms that, that ancient teaching of the Tao Te Ching, that we need to create and cultivate peace within us in order to cultivate peace around us. When we're in a stress state, we are reactive. Our, uh, you know, heartbeat, uh, blood pressure speed up, our immune system shuts down, our digestive system shuts down, our higher brain centers go offline so that we can react to an emergency with fight or flight. So it gives us a very narrow view of, of what we need to do, and we act really fast and without thinking it through. Well, that might work really well to jump out of the way of a speeding car. It can save our lives. But to resolve an interpersonal conflict, a complex problem at work, an international conflict, when you have people reacting with fight or flight, you don't get very wise solutions. So that uh, the first part of my book was helping people understand the wisdom of the Tao, apply it to their lives, find ways to, to breathe in peace, to get centered, to use some uh, martial arts exercises in, in, in terms of breathing, so that then we can respond wisely and create harmony around us. A lot of people you know, are lonely these, these days, and the pandemic, I think, added to that. But there is a loneliness, even in a very highly populated cities. I lived in New York for many years. It's in some ways a very lonely city, even though you're in a, in a crowd. I think Keith Richards mentioned that in his lyrics, never have been alone except in a crowd, something to that effect. But a lot of people then, when they start to look inside, they seem to think like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And it seems like that we're, well, the further you go along the road of self-discovery, you figure out that it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm perfect the way I am, but I'm creating my own problems. What do you have to say about that? And how can the Tao help? Well, there are two really important themes there. There is uh, the sense of the inner critic you know, that beats us up and tells us we're not good enough uh, when, we, when we try to do something, especially when we try to do something we really care about and that we perhaps haven't done before. Uh, and the Tao gives us a vision of nature and shows us, you know, there are lots, there's, there's an infinite variety of possibilities out there. And that the redwood tree in my yard is fantastic. It's, you know, it's taller than the house. And, but it doesn't feel inferior. Neither does the, does the small daffodil that's growing in the yard. A daffodil is, you know, is being a daffodil. A redwood tree is being a redwood tree. We are all unique individuals. And the, one of the things the Tao does is make us aware that we're all unique. And to compare ourselves to anyone else 
is ridiculous. No human being on this planet has ever been exactly like you or me. We all have different fingerprints. Even identical twins have different fingerprints. So that the sense of judging ourselves as not being enough is, uh, according to the Tao, ridiculous. Point one. Point number two, loneliness, okay, <laughs> in a crowd. Um, there's been a lot of that lately, even more so than uh, loneliness in the cities because of the isolation with the pandemic restrictions. So a lot there's been a, a rise in loneliness and depression uh, in our country and in many countries in the world. The Tao says, the Tao person creates harmony, reaching out from the heart to build community. That, again, the Tao shows us that we're all part of the one, and we just need to acknowledge that. How do we do that? Um, to feel connected to the world around us means we're not lonely. To feel connected going out and taking a walk, looking up at the stars in the sky at night, and realizing we're part of some incredible cosmos that uh, Carl Sagan used to say with billions and billions of stars. And that we, our bodies, are made out of the elements of the stars. We are star stuff. Okay. That, oneness with nature. Oneness with our friends and, and uh, close relatives. And we reach out to them and, and just sort of, it doesn't take much. There's a psychologist, Barbara Fredrickson, who talks about micro moments of connectivity where we can walk down the street and wave at a neighbor. And both of us feel this connection, this energy, which has been shown to uh, relieve stress, reduce inflammation, and activate our immune system. It just makes us feel better to feel connected. We are not meant to be isolated you know, individuals, we're part of something larger than ourselves. And the Tao Te Ching affirms that principle. And in my book, I, I show people, you know, how to, how to make some of these connections and how to realize that if we've got a big problem out there, we can build community and have a critical mass of people that we feel we're connected to. And sometimes a few individuals working together can make a positive difference in our structure, in our democracy, in our world. Now, you mentioned earlier that there's 81 poems and they're short poems. And how, how would you recommend for somebody who's interested in learning more about the Tao to actually consume the, the Tao? Should they read one a day or a couple at a time or just go around and find one that they resonate with or all of the above? Yeah, <laughs> I'd go with all of the above. I think it would be a good idea. Um, you know, this is sounds like a disclaimer here to read a book that introduces them to the main concepts of the Tao, like the Tao of Inner Peace, for example, or um, Wayne Dyer has a book on, on the Tao Te Ching, mm -hmm. you know, so that we kind of know what to expect. And then read one, one short poem um, in a meditation period, maybe at the beginning of the day, think, okay, what message is there for me in that? Is there, uh, you know, Carl Rogers, as I said, uh, carried a quote from the Tao in his wallet. And that quote was about leadership. If, you're, if we are called to a new leadership position, perhaps this quote could help. 
with the best of leaders, when the work is done, the project completed, the people all say we did it ourselves. That the best leader is a facilitator who brings people together and inspires the best in all of them so that we have the best possible outcome. So there's a there's an an affirmation if if a person is promoted at work, how to be that kind of Tao leader, you know, how to bring people together, how to recognize their individual unique strengths and come create a a new artwork, a new mosaic of possibility combining these skills. Fantastic. Well, Diane Dreyer. PhD, The Tao of Inner Peace is the name of the book. Previously published as The Tao of Peace, A Guide to Inner and Outer Peace. It's been updated. It's a beautiful book. Tell us about where people can learn more about you. But also, I would love it if we could go off with a brief, you select a poem and read it to us, and then we'll fade out from there. Okay. Putting you on the Uh, spot. (laughs) Okay. First of all, I've got 81 choices here. To find out more about me, I have a website, uh, diandreer.com. That's spelled D-I-A-N-E-D-R-E-H-E-R, all one word, dot com. I also blog for Psychology Today with a blog called Your Personal Renaissance. And um, probably the most familiar quote from the Tao Te Ching that people know about is that we can begin right now making a change in our lives and the world around us. The Tao affirms patience and says, a tree that grows beyond your reach springs from a tiny seed. A building over nine stories high begins with a handful of earth. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And we can each take that step toward greater peace this day, right here and right now. Oh, fantastic. Beautiful. Diane Dreyer, thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. I love the book. I'm going to read uh, one of the poems every day. I started last night. I read about 25 of them, but I think the way to consume them is one at a time. That's going to be my style. And I look forward to learning more and more about it. And hopefully we'll have you back again. And thank you for the wonderful work you're doing, Diane Dreyer. Thank you, Robert. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, terrific conversations with Silke Schwarzkopf and Diane Dreyer about life after 50 and how we can incorporate the teachings of the Tao in our everyday life. So what did we learn? I think we learned that those years after 50 can be the best of our lives. We got into a lot of the details on that. And it's all about really taking care of yourself, loving yourself, and really taking the steps to better health, better mental perspective, better emotional well-being, etc., just by doing the little things and getting started and keeping a good attitude. In terms of what we learned about the Tao, it's that all of the teachings there, it's a wonderful book to check out because all of the teachings there are timeless, and you can incorporate them to make your life right now better. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio in Southern California, at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. The podcast and my YouTube and our new Rumble post worldwide every Thursday. There's a rebroadcast of the KCAA show on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. So 
You can catch our show, watch our show at your leisure, 24-7, listen live, stream it, download it. Thank you for your support. If you're digging the content and the guests I bring you each and every week, I would ask you, please subscribe. I'd say right now, a great thing to subscribe to. We're trying to build our YouTube presence, so please subscribe there or on Apple Podcasts or whatever, wherever you check out your and consume your podcast and your content. Thank you so much for your support. You can also catch me and more of my content on robertmanny.com, M-A-N-N-I.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, all free, all pretty chunky and pretty deep. I get into a lot of topics that I think you'll enjoy about well-being, relationships, business, family, friends, sex, etc. And also you can download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's a rom-com. It's a blue sky, fun summary type of breezy, fast, frothy read. Check out the uh, uh, reviews on Amazon. If you dig the three free chapters, you can order it online. You can get a physical copy or the digital copy, whatever you like, whatever rocks your world. And I think you'll have fun with it. It's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. It's a lot of fun, and both women and guys seem to, to dig it, and I'm very, very happy that I've been able to put together a, a book that people have fun with, and it is about something. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here again every week. We've done over 512 shows. We've got a lot more guests lined up. I'm here for you. I, my, my task really is, and it's my pleasure, is to bring you guests and information that you may have ha not had time to think about that may help you live your best life. So thank you so much to my guests. Thank you to my wonderful producer, Christine. And most of all, thank you to you wonderful folks out there who've been so supportive. We're growing and growing. We've got a lot more to come. So Guys Guys Radio, I'll see you next week. And until then, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>